Hey there, family. Welcome to another episode of Rise Up with Jazz, the podcast for the healing woman. You are officially listening to season two that I've dedicated to the men, and I'm so excited about that. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to season one, catch up on season one through any podcast platform. You can hear some amazing stories from women and their healing journeys. But you know what? I thought it was really important as a woman who is a part of the women's empowerment movement that I share or allow a platform to share the other side of the coin when it comes to men. Uh, You know, sometimes when you are in the women's empowerment industry, there's a lot of assumptions that you might be a feminist or a male basher. And I wanted to make th- make it very clear that that is not my case because I truly value the voices of men. Um, and in recent times, I've been having a lot of really deep conversations with men. And what I found is that they don't get to talk very much and they don't get to share their side of the story as freely and as welcomed as it is for women. And so season two is dedicated to the men. I know some very amazing men. I have one on the line with me today that have these powerful stories of how they've overcome um, their childhood trauma, how they've overcome rejection, how they've overcome being Black men in America. And these stories don't always have the platform to be told. Today, I have my good friend who is a father of two beautiful daughters. He's a successful entrepreneur, and you'll hear more about that later on, why he's not just an entrepreneur, but a successful one, and a philanthropist. Uh, Mr. Michael Humes, he's been featured in Ebony Magazine, uh, Success from Home Magazine. That's where I very first discovered him. And he's gone on to just live a life of overcoming and tons and tons of success. And I think the key to his success is that he's helped so many other people achieve it as well. Mr. Mike Humes, how are you today, sir? I am great. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Did that introduction make you feel weird? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you know it did. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we've been friends for almost 15 years now. Right. Which I think is freaking crazy how fast time goes. Um, yeah. And so thank you for taking some time out to hang out with me today. It is a pleasure and an honor. Yay. So we got to chit chat a little bit and and um, I've got to see you mostly as an entrepreneur and, and I know we also have children the same age. And I just think it's important for the men that will be listening to hear what it looks like to have like the trueness of a journey. A lot of times, you know, we see success from afar and, and people just want the end result of success but they don't know what it really takes to have success, the actual things to do and the mindset. And I know a lot of your mindset came from your mom, who was a single mom, raising you and your sister, right? That's correct, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, how has growing up in a single mom household, how did that impact you um, in your manhood? What are some of those things that you've taken from your mom to apply to your success today? Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good start. That may take up the entire interview right there. <laughs> you know, uh, wow. I mean, my mom was such a, a, a huge influence 
Uh, she said so many powerful things. And uh, I think it's still affecting me, honestly, uh, as a single father, just, you know, watching her work so hard and the things and the sacrifices that she continued to make uh, for my sister and I growing up in the inner city of Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, keeping me out of trouble as best she could. And um, but I, I know it is really what started my entrepreneurial journey is knowing early on that I didn't want my mom to uh, have to continue to take care of of myself and my sister. So as early as possible, I started working. Mm. Uh, so I, that was one of the, the biggest influences. You know, I remember being very young and, you know, my mom put me on the bus, you know, when she would go to work and uh, put me on the bus super early when it was dark, when I was really young. And then as I got to about really seven or eight, you know, I would just wake up and, you know, be a, I was a latchkey kid. So it was my sister was already, I want to say, in high school then or middle school. But at that point, you know, I was getting myself ready at seven. Uh, and so I wouldn't see her until she came in late. So I, I definitely got the work ethic uh, mm -hmm. from her. Um, she definitely laid a foundation of, of faith as well. And Amen. Uh, she was, yeah, she was definitely stern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, did, she definitely was stern, a little different than parents today. Uh, so yeah, it was, she, she did everything that she had to do to make sure that she protected my sister and I, mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, raised me in a way where I knew that, you know, I could succeed in whatever I, uh, I aspired to be and do. I always say, you know, that we live in a society where a single parent, uh, as a single father, you know, I say a single parent, oftentimes mm -hmm. it's just a single mom, but we say we live in a society where a single parent can raise two, three or four children and those same two, three or four children can't retire that single parent. So I think that was the biggest influence. I wanted to be in a position where I could retire my mom. I could put her in a position where, uh, you know, money wasn't an issue and she could do the things that she felt God had purposed her life for. Uh, and so that was something that uh, was a serious goal. And uh, and we were able to uh, semi-accomplish it. She retired right before <laughs> I was able to, uh, you know, position her to do so. Uh, but at the same time, being in a position now for the last over 20 years where I've been able to obviously assist her to be able to to do the things she wants to do whenever she wants to do them. Mm -hmm. God bless the single parents. Um, I'm one as well. So I know you can kind of go between those dual roles, trying to fill the mom and fill the dad and, right. you know, be the provider and the protector and the nurturer and all of that. And <clears throat> I know some of the effects that it had on me not having a father present in the home. Have you in your adult life kind of put some puzzle pieces together in terms of noticing the effects of you not having a father in the house? Like how did that impact you negatively or positively? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm still putting that together as well. Uh, but I think it really affected me. I, I, my father uh, passed away when I was 15. And although my parents weren't together, uh, they were married for about 15 years and divorced when I believe I was a year and a half. Okay. So uh, he wasn't really around a whole lot. Uh, you know, I would go visit those biweekly, uh, you know, visits. And sometimes they would be stretched out to bi-monthly or whatever the case may be. But I think because I grew up in an environment where there wasn't a lot of fathers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in my neighborhood, there were several really strong Black men that were in the neighborhood mm -hmm. uh, that were fathers. So they kind of were for the neighborhood, but I was one of those kids who my father came to get me. So I kind of looked at it as where many of my friends' fathers never came by to pick them up. You know, my dad was coming through. So, you know, I didn't know what I was missing until 
uh, I think I was about 21 and life started to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought a house at 21. I started my postal career, you know, became a mailman. I've been working since I was 13, worked through college, never graduated college, right? Fifth year sophomore. That's my claim. Nice, nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, you know, bringing down the GPA at a whole university, right? But, um, <laughs> but, but I, I really saw and started to uh, comprehend more and more how important he was as I started to, you know, start a family. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, you, you said it, Bassman, you said the protector and, and then the nurturer, and you play all those different roles as a single parent. And so, you know, with two beautiful daughters, uh, so far apart, you know, Michaela's 20 and uh, going into her junior year in college and Maya's wow. two. So, you know, just turning two. So, you know, I'm running the gamut there. I had a yeah, lot of free are. time as an entrepreneur. So yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. But. Yeah, right. That, <laughs> that, now that's definitely an age gap. And um, right. uh, my largest age gap is 10 years. So it looks like you got 18 years. So I can, we can basically say you started over, Mike. <laughs> started completely over, completely over. Right. But you're a dad, you're a girl, you're a hashtag girl dad. Absolutely. I love that. Unequivocally. Absolutely. What, what, have, what have you learned most about being a girl dad? And do you do you have any yearnings to be a boy dad? I always did. I, you couldn't have told me I would have had a girl. Like I'd say God wouldn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. Like I was the football player, the basketball player, the baseball. I was just sports fanatic, still a sports fanatic. And, you know, I just knew it was going to be a, a Mikey Jr., right? right? There's just no way. And, um, but I can't imagine mm-hmm. not being a girl dad, not having uh, my daughters. They definitely softened me. Uh, Michaela, of course, being the oldest, I mean, changed everything. I never knew I was so emotional uh, until I <laughs> had a daughter, right? Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely, I, I've learned a lot. Um, and then there was so much, you know, jazz that I didn't know that I just started to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I probably have 12 books on fatherhood that you know why daughter needs her dad strong fathers strong daughters mm-hmm. raising confident girls um you know any and everything by dr miles monroe mm-hmm. on the principles of fatherhood and just you know anything i could get my hands on and you know you just kind of figure it out you know you you take what you see from the great fathers and you know you eat the fruit and you spit out the seeds of what doesn't apply to you mm-hmm. and yours and being a, a black father it's even more different because i think there's so many uh, you know, the dichotomy of being a, a black man first and foremost, and then being a black father, you know, society looks at you a certain way. But I, you know, I was never ashamed to to be wholeheartedly involved in every aspect of my daughter's lives. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was vice chair on the board of directors at the Christian school that uh, Michaela attended for a long time. I mean, she used to joke, dad, you go on more field trips than I do. Like, please stop, like slow down. Um, She's like, stop reading. Ever... It's too much, yes. dad. Go sit down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you're, you're everywhere. <laughs> I don't need you here at the school. But I, I just wanted to be involved. So yeah. you know, she was, is a dance major and uh, did extremely well with that. So I just, you know, dedicated my life. And that was another key to, to becoming an entrepreneur is having that time freedom. So I knew I wanted to be a full-time father. Mm-hmm. So that drove you. That drove you to build your Absolutely. business so that you could have the freedom to be there for them. Absolutely. That was my why. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, I have those same sentiments and I have th- girls as well, three of them. And so the importance of being available to them. And I think too, I kind of think back to 
how even you, your mom, she was gone a lot. So you had her, but she was gone working. Right. And then, you know, and your dad was out of the home and the same with my mom. And so it's like, how can we be more present? How can we do it differently and do it better um, than maybe what we experienced? What what is maybe then a challenging part of fatherhood? Maybe a situation where you're like, damn, I just did not get this right. And and like, how do you recover from your parent mistakes? I mean, you just you just try to do better. Oh, I can think of plenty of them. Um, and and again, it goes back to some of the books I read. Understanding that you know your your daughter's first hero, you know, as a father, your first everything, her first mm-hmm. example, you know, of of a man. And I could think back to little conversations, little things, and saying, oh man, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have, you know, just the, the just those kind of things uh, that apply to fatherhood. Um, do you I, apologize I just, absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely I think because growing up as kids our parents or at least my mom didn't yeah no right for <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, us yeah they just didn't they just you know like well you're the child mm-hmm. um, but I, I tried to just you know tweak all of those things where I had those conversations where I may have been quick to just say the things that I heard the little soliloquies and analogies that you know our parents threw out but I was quick to fix it, you know, and the other thing was to be available. Like, I don't care how tired I was. I don't care how engulfed in business I was. If we had to play with doll babies, I did it. If we had to play a game, I did it. Wherever I needed to be, I was going to be there. So I think that was the most important thing. And then I, I, of course, you know, dedicated my business to my daughter at that time. Everything that that drove me to be able to have the time freedom. To the, so much so that I, I would say if I had to go back to the post office, you know, back to, to the, the postal salary, just to be the type of father I needed to be, I was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, my, my S-Corps, all my corporations are uh, LLCs, everything is AFM Ventures, uh, AFM Enterprises. Everything is named after, AFM stands for anything for Michaela. So I just, engulfed all of the successes that I was looking to have uh, into, you know, fatherhood. Mm. I love that. <clears throat> that was one of the things that I think I admired and many people admired that got to see you train and teach on stage in Legal Shield is how you were able to really, I don't know if you would call it balance, but you were able to balance business and balance fatherhood. And so many times in our community, black community we see the father's absent we see the father's missing and and there's so many children that deserve to have like the type of love you have for Michaela a lot of daughters didn't get that type of love uh what would you what like advice would you give to a young woman that might be struggling who didn't have the father figure like, what is, what is something you would tell a young woman that didn't have a father that was struggling, maybe about herself or how to maybe move on from not having that? Well, that's a, that's a very deep question. Great question. It's Because I'm uh, that know, girl, you know, like I'm, right. I'm the, I'm the well, girl that didn't have him. And, and it wasn't until my 30s that I was able to kind of put those missing pieces together, like the the negative effects of not having him really did impact me and it wasn't until I was 30 right. where I was able to like take responsibility stop blaming and be like look you gotta you gotta get it together if you want to have the life you want to have you can't keep blaming him and so there's a lot of women like that and girls like that right. 
And so I don't know what would be yeah. your thoughts to her, or maybe I, I, even thoughts to the father. Yeah, it, it's you know, it's you said it like you really have to take a deep dive into where that trauma comes from and mm-hmm. having those real conversations about where he was. You know, as much as I've been celebrated for being the type of single father uh, that I am, mm. um, I'm still regretful that, you know, uh, that there was a marriage that didn't work. And right. so that family unit was still broken. So that's, you know, something that I look to and look at because there's so many single parents out here. Yeah. So I, 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 what I would tell them is definitely seek some type of uh, counseling to speak to someone, to really, you know, talk to someone. I've done it, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'll continue to do it, to talk to someone, never be ashamed of that. And, you know, I talked to, look, my, my uh, therapist has a therapist, right? So yeah. I think it's important to, to be able to, to really understand uh, where our feelings come from because it, 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 they're real and they're ours. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, so what I would tell them is really to find uh, what it is that is inside of you that may trigger those emotions um and and focus on that because if not what happens and we both uh, have experienced it is you go to relationships that you know that and it, and it impacts those relationships absolutely you know i look at my mom was a single mom so and i thought she did great so i knew i could be a great single father whether i was married or not but that's mm-hmm. still not right that's still not the way i would have preferred to have had it mm-hmm. um but it forced me to gravitate to single mothers you know, to, to, to make, be that person that could always help out, uh, you know, it's led to a lot of the philanthropic work that I do, uh, simply always wanting to be that. And it's funny because not in a sense of comical, but all of my aunts and uncles, 95% of them are not just married, but they've been married for 45, 50, 60 years. My grandparents were married 61 years. Wow. So it wasn't as if I didn't see what that unit looks like. I did, mm-hmm. but up mm-hmm. close and personal, I didn't. So I would tell them to, you know, identify people that uh, that are going and growing in the right direction that you want as a single parent mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then, you know, move in that direction. I love that. That's so simple too. <clears throat> Just identify people who have what you want, be around them, ask them questions, learn from them and get your butt some therapy. there you go there you go hey that's and it's a good starting point because we all have it like we all have something right and we all we all have something that didn't quite go right in childhood that impacted our emotional makeup impacted our brain makeup impacted the way we think about things and the way we see the world and just like you said you can see those effects in your adulthood in the decisions you make when it comes to relationships like you gravitating towards a single woman I always gravitate gravitated towards men that postured themselves as very tough and very um masculine and kind of like the bad boy kind of thing and that's because I saw my dad be very physically violent as a little girl so it was like when I saw that physical violence in another guy I thought "Ooh, he's a protector like that's what that's what being Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I had a right. dysfunctional definition of, of protector um, until I began to heal. And uh, I know you're in, in the thick of your healing journey as I am. What are some what are some things that have kind of been brought to your surface? I want to I want to touch on your healing before we transition into your business, because I know that 
you healing as a man also positively impacts your business. Um, but what are some things in your healing journey that you've been able to really learn about yourself and make better decisions around? I think the first thing I learned is I wasn't crazy. You, <laughs> you, you know? are not crazy. Like, yeah, no, that <laughs> was, well, well you, can, you can function in or be in something that's toxic and folks can make you think that you're crazy mm. or you're this or you're that or you don't do all the things that you do. You're not the type of father that you think you are. You're not the type mm. of man that you think that you uh, you know, that you say you are or that you're projected to be or that others say you are. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, that's that's one thing that I learned. Um, but really just to be in the moment and not take on everyone else's baggage. That's good. You know, that was tough for me, like to be the hub of my family. You know, I'm, everything kind of comes and goes through me. Um, you know, that's just the role I've always played. The same thing in business. So to be able to know that I can reject things that I, I don't need to take that on. That's not for me. You can say no. Uh, I could say no. And there's power in saying no. Absolutely. Absolutely. There people will only do what you allow. Right. Absolutely. True. I think too, it's, it, I think we being the, those types of personalities, those caregiver caretaker type of personalities, it, there's a certain amount of guilt with no, like you're yeah. letting somebody down or, you know, even maybe the fear of them not wanting to be mad at you or whatever the situation is. I think the saying no part, there's fear behind it. But once you discover that boundaries are good and boundaries are healthy and that if somebody doesn't like something, they'll get over it if they really love you. You know what I mean? Yes, true. So true. I love that. Don't take on other people's baggage. I thought that that was just a woman thing, but it sounds like men do that, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we, I mean, there's so many commonalities, of course, that, that right. we all share. And as black men, you know, T.D. Jakes wrote a, a great book and had a series on he motions that mm-hmm. I would encourage every woman, not just man, men to read it or listen to it, um, but every woman to really understand how men just shut down after a certain point in time. Um, mm. If, you know, you can still go to work, you know, hang out with the guys, watch the game, spend time with the family and mentally have shut down and just continue to go through that process. And they've already committed, committed, you know, mental suicide uh, mm. when it comes to their family. Uh, and so they'll go wherever they have to go to get that, whatever it is that's going to keep them going, uh, which leads to, you know, all types of things. Right. So I just think it's important that we understand ourselves. And then, of course, in the times that we're in now, we're seems like it's always a, a ton of social injustice, but in this time that we're in now, the season we're in now, where it's it's really prevalent and we really talk about it, which obviously led me and you know to the business that I'm in. Um, as a black man, identifying your role because we are protectors, but to not be able to protect those who we love, um, to be you know killed for it, to be whatever the case may be, to go through those things where you're challenged, your masculinity is challenged, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter, you know, your, your financial status uh, is tough. And so, yeah, so we deal with that as well. And as a single father with daughters, mm-hmm. oh, I think about it nonstop. So, yeah, I've had those conversations with my daughter to, to ask her because so many uh, women have that posture that they've got to do it all. 
And, yep. you know, so with the women in my life, I asked that question, like, do you, do you feel like if you don't do it, it won't get done? Do you feel like you have that, you know, that, that I don't want to really label how black women are labeled, right? but you know what I'm speaking of? It's just that, that do you feel like you got to have a chip on your shoulder and, and, but, but what it does for a black man is, well, what's your role? What's my role there? Mm. You know, mm. it's hard to get in where you fit in if a woman has everything together or it's perceived that they have everything together. Um, when in fact you realize, like you said, you did in your thirties that, okay, I don't, mm -hmm. you know, maybe this isn't what I want. Mm -hmm. So you hit so many nails on so many heads right now. Uh, the, the importance of the family unit, having that male and that female figure, because we got, God clearly made us different, a, a lot the same, but a lot different to where we complement each other. Right. And, and when one of those dynamics is missing, then the children in that household don't get that experience. So growing up as a daughter to a single mom, she had to make it happen because there was no man around. So women grow up to become independent. We learn right. how to do everything that we need to do to survive because we have to learn how to do it without. So then there's also, so then that independence can become very extreme where I don't need no man. I got it. Right. But then that shuts the male out and we need the male. We need you. We want you to be a part of it. And I think it's sometimes a combination of our trauma and our survival mode that we've had to do it, that we don't know how to let that guard down to allow a man to do it. And if you haven't seen a man if you haven't seen a woman interact with a man in that dynamic, you don't know how to let your guard down. There's a certain amount of fear there. So when you ask the women in your family, you know, do you feel like you have to do it all? We do. But I think we have to get to a place in our healing where we can acknowledge that that, that strongness that we've developed is, is due to a lack that we've had. And we have to acknowledge that and then also acknowledge the fact that men are needed, that men are valuable. They're not just here to pay our bills. They're not just here, you know, to give us good sex. They're not just here as a means to an end, that they have a valuable contribution to, to our lives and to society. And so I'm glad that you are asking the women in your life those very tough questions, because then it's going it, to, it, hopefully it will cause them to reflect on maybe where that independence can be extreme and I've heard that from a lot of men where especially with black women you got that resting bitch face or they got that attitude looking face like you said the chip on the shoulder because right. life's been hard right, right. but we, we we gotta get to a point where we realize look we got one life to live are we gonna live it mad because we missed out on so much stuff are we gonna live it mad because we had to do so much on our own are we gonna find a way to change our perspective and and get the the most out of life and then even more so open up our hearts to be loved again by a man. And that's a, that, that's a, that's a tough one for us. And I love what you said about the he motions book too, because I think we women, again, that weren't raised around men, it's kind of hard. We don't really know how to interact with men. Um, and mm -hmm. so you don't know how they think and how they operate. And so books like that, I'm like, oh, I should start a book club with he motions. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> I've seen yeah, yeah. that book before too. It's powerful. It's powerful. And and I mean, unfortunately, um, I mean you said everything you said was spot on. 
but having a 20 year old daughter who has been raised, I've, I've had full custody of Michaela for the majority of her life. Um, you know, she, she was raised by a man. She was raised in a great environment. She was raised where she has, you know, just endless resources. Mm-hmm. And she was raised, you know, reading and understanding business and all those things. I mean, her, you know, her godfather is right. Her, mm-hmm. her you know, godparents. So she's, you know, raised <laughs> a, a good foundation. Good a foundation. great foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in church and things of that nature. But she still has that same mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes from social media hmm. and you also you gravitate because there's no other place for her to get it right well there, there is but you know you gravitate to whatever is lacking like that next soliloquy or post or quote or meme mm-hmm. it, it all of a sudden it all applies to you because it, <laughs> it cosigns on your weakness mm. you know as opposed to your healing so yeah unfortunately too many people have read, you know, what is it? Think like a man, act like a man, think like a woman. Yeah, yeah. Vice versa. I said it all backwards, right? But then, and that's pretty much what it is because emotions is where it should start. When someone is really not trying to teach you how to manipulate uh, a relationship, right? But you know, but uh, get a deeper understanding of where that person is coming from. Mm-hmm. So, and that takes a lot of maturity too. It does. You know, when we it think of, we think about our daughters, mine. Um, 20 as well and you're right they they're definitely growing up in a different time where social media is a huge influence but I think that that's the beautiful part of parenting and you probably caught on to this in some of the things your mom instilled in you that stuff doesn't go anywhere it'll come back the 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 lessons and the and all the things that they the good things they were exposed to it always comes back around in their decisions it's almost like just some of a part of us as parents have to just let their journey be their journey as well. Um, and trust that, you know, yeah, you know, being a parent ain't easy. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It ain't easy. It's a lot of, a lot of let go and trusting and, and finding your, just finding your balance with it. Um, legal. It's the greatest job ever. Yeah. I will say before you move on, there's nothing else that I enjoy more than, than fatherhood. Like that is, it's everything. It is. You know, what, yeah. it, it, it makes you a better man. It makes Absolutely. you a better, a better, better person for sure. Um, I know Legal Shield also made you a better person, and it's helped you to help hundreds of other people become better people too. It has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that, Mister, Mister Everything. I was looking at uh, Facebook. And, um, you know, Michael Humes and I met in Legal Shield years ago. And, you know, I'm looking at all of this success that's taken place within the Team New Vision family. Um, I, I just, I, I admire the culture of what you guys are doing in your business, faith, family, finance, such a beautiful mantra and pillars to your success it really has been like those are like the pillars of your success and you guys just don't talk about it in business you live it out in your personal lives and so success has been happening left and right in the midst of a pandemic right in the midst of a pandemic I want to ask you you know how is the current climate race wise with the social injustices um, with COVID-19 happening and, and folks being out of work how that impacted your business in a good or bad way? 
it, it's definitely impacted in a in a good way. Um, you know, just uh, the key to it has been personal development. It's been really understanding um, just just what's going on around you. So the key has been, I think, we're we're rooted on personal development. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. team division which is the uh, team that Mr. Self and I co-founded, Darnell Self and I co-founded, wow, 20 some odd years ago. And, you know, the mantra of faith, family, finance, and we added in fitness being mental uh, because of personal development and physical fitness. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, you know, just coming from uh, a session (laughs) with a group of them, uh, making sure that fitness and holding each other accountable. But it's, you know, it's, it's, impacted us in, the, in a way where we have more of a captive audience. And mm-hmm. I think because of Legal Shield being rooted in, you know, love over hate, uh, you know, justice over, you know, subjugation, being, being so rooted in us being able to help and empower and level the legal playing field for everybody. Uh, you know, for years, I think I heard it said a long time ago, you know, don't, we don't need a level playing field, just get us on the playing field, we'll level it ourselves. And we kind of took that on um, to really be able to build something that was bigger than us. And, you know, now a team that's been paid almost $500 million as a team, not coupons or vouchers, but actual, you know, cash. Uh, it's been a tremendous blessing to a lot of families. We're 102 ring earners strong now, folks earning between 50 and over a million dollars every 12 months. And that's all documented. And, and those numbers are going to skyrocket uh, mm-hmm. right now. They, they're already, they already are. Uh, I mean, we've had folks who've gotten involved in the last 12 months who are, you know, earning three, $400,000. And, and then those who are just getting started just to be able to supplement their income, as you said, with COVID, with, uh, you know, the pandemic, with uh, unemployment. Uh, but it's a cause that I believe in wholeheartedly you know, level the legal playing field. Growing up in the inner city uh, and seeing everything I saw, you know, wanting to wear my, my driver's license around my neck so I didn't have to reach for anything, right? Just, you mm-hmm. know, being pulled over for fun. Just, I mean, I've been through everything. Um, so this was something that just made sense. It was a perfect fit. Uh, and it feels good to be able to empower so many people mm-hmm. uh, with the mm-hmm. services, but more importantly, being able to bring parents home Uh, so that they can be full-time parents like you know we've been blessed to be that's the thing I love most about legal shield is the membership like I you you can be in a casual conversation and refer refer our membership because somebody has a need just in a casual conversation so it really is a need you know what I mean it's it's not it's not um you know the beauty industry is great, but do I really need to buy an $80 bottle of foundation? I really don't <laughs> need it. But what right. I do need is for someone to read this contract for me, you know, before I purchase his house or purchase his right. car. Or when Sprint doesn't want to give me my money back, what I really need exactly. is for an attorney to write a letter for me. So that's what I love. It's, it's real. People actually need it. And people have been able to make a great living at it and and you've been able to make an incredible living and not just you like you said 102 people um have gotten to the ring status where they're making a minimum of fifty thousand dollars a year and people are doing that on top of their full-time jobs absolutely yeah most of them are part-time now it's amazing so let me ask you this mr personal development what book are you reading Mm -hmm. right now 
I'm always reading multiple books. Um, and we have a book of the month, which is something that we started as a team a long, long time ago. So currently it's um, uh, Rhinoceros Success, which kind of talks about the secret of charging full speed ahead toward every opportunity. And, you know, in this climate right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's key. Being able to recognize opportunities right now, yeah. everything is being thrown at us. So many, you know, little schemes are coming and going and, and people are, you know, people buy for two reasons, you know, a need or fear of loss. You know, you talked about our business being started, not out of greed, but out of a need, um, but fear of loss. And so mm-hmm. people kind of gravitate to those things. So, it, you know, reading is so important. Uh, that's by Scott Alexander and Dave Ramsey are the uh, uh, authors of that. So, yeah. well, Scott Alexander's the author, Dave Ramsey did a great forward for the book. So, I like Dave. He has yeah. some good books yeah. on finances and stuff. He does. Nice. Well, any other thoughts that you have that you'd like to share uh, with my audience on taking advantage of the time that we're in right now. It really feels like <clears throat> there's so much opportunity right now in the midst of this pandemic. You know, you, ha- you have one of two people. You have people that are sitting on the blame side of the fence talking right. about I lost my job or whatever the situation. I can't do this. I can't do that. Then you have the other side of folks that are perceiving this time as an opportunity to heal themselves to start a business, to finally chase some dreams. What advice do you have to those people that are on the fence right now in terms of perceiving this as an opportunity to make their life a better life? Oh, it definitely is. It's, it's, there's, in the midst of uh, you know, trials and tribulations and, and these moments of tragedy, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. that's when there is the greatest opportunity. So uh, this is the most, uh, you know, prevalent time we've had since 2008 since the recession so yep uh and we know the type of wealth that was created but again because we're in a time where information is so readily available and and you can just you know act you know ascertain it right from the palm of your hand from a smartphone you know people can see that these billionaires have made uh, in the first 90 days of a pandemic like 500 and some odd billion dollars you know exchange hands and so there's no shortage of wealth it's just whose hands it's in so we've got to really be you know, cognizant of what's out there, of how we need to move forward. You know, for some, this is, and I heard a good friend of mine say, if you come out of this pandemic and the book that you were going to write is still inside of you, shame on you. Hmm. If that song is still inside of you, shame on you. Like you, you got to go for it, which means you got to be surrounded by other people, again, who are going and growing in that same direction. So we've seen some reciculous <laughs> success um, but it's great because we've been in, in, able to help people in that process. So I love it. Right, so I, right. you know, I'm sleeping less. I'm getting up early because I know that this is the time that I pray for where I could help more people um, become stay-at-home parents, you know, become the type of individuals that they, they wanted to. And so, uh, so yeah, there, there's never been a, a better time to, to stack as much mm-hmm. as possible uh, mm-hmm. because opportunities are, are going to be right around the corner. doesn't mean you have to move on everything. Um, and I would also encourage everyone to do research. You know, you got to do research. And we do research, do like real research. Like don't, I, my research when I first started this business, I went and talked to the, you know, three brokest people I knew and mm-hmm. asked them, you know, they were my boys. So, you know, I was broke along with them, uh, but I asked the wrong people. And it cost me two years before I was smart enough to actually see the information properly and get started 
And, you know, a year later, you know, retired 26 and six figure income at 27, first million by 31. But if I'd have held on to all the people who told me what wasn't going to happen, what couldn't happen, how it wouldn't happen, um, I'd still be at the post office. I'd still be reading, you know, magazines that I've been blessed to be in at this point, you know, because you do know your mailman reads your mail, right? We used to read all that stuff. Mm, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, it's just so important to make sure you're getting the information from the people who have the are solution. trustworthy, who have the solutions and who aren't doing or saying things just because there's a commission attached to it. Hmm. That's key as well. That's key as well. You know, you can smell commission on someone's breath. So you got to be able to to really make sure that they're giving you sound information uh, that will benefit you and your family and not just them. I love it. I love it, Michael Humes. Where can my listeners find you? What's your social media and stuff? What you got going on? Uh, I got a lot happening. Um, the Real <laughs> Mike Humes on uh, Instagram is The Real Mike Humes. Uh, and of course, the nonprofit Fertile Ground is there. A Fertile Ground is on uh, Facebook, as well as, you know, Mike Humes, just Mike Humes is what I typically go by. Oh, I have a website, uh, MikeHumes.com. Uh, so yeah, kind of tells where I am, what I'm doing and, uh, who I'm helping. And Fertile Ground, really quick. I know that's a nonprofit you and Mr. Self started. What do you, what exactly do you guys do with that nonprofit? Uh, we do a lot of philanthropic work. Uh, it's so small because it really is just less than five of us that, you know, kind of work it, but, um, Mr. Self has always had a heart to give. I've always had a heart to give. And, and once you start to create wealth for yourself, you can't just give, you know, just out of your pocket. You know, the IRS is looking at it. So we had to formulate a way where we could give properly. And uh, mm -hmm. so for the last, I don't know how many years now, it's been well over a decade. We've, you know, whether it's adopting villages in, um, in Haiti, Dominican Republic, assisting our, our friends, the Amelia family and building a girls orphanage in Guatemala, Costa Rica, you know, we feed families locally here in the DMV, Washington, D.C. area who don't even know where it comes from. Uh, you know, I go back to the inner city where I grew up. My actual elementary school uh, started out assisting others with backpack drives and things of that nature. And then I just, you know, said, hey, I'll do it right in the place that impacted me the most. So we do those things. We provide Christmas for hundreds of kids every single year. Every child in the school actually gets something, gets stuff. And, uh, you know, they pick out whatever they want. And you know, we grab a bunch of families who are going through a situation and, you know, just kind of take on all that. So we do a lot, just gave away um, a nice uh, donation to something that was near and dear to our heart. So we do a lot of work, um, which I think is, is all part of our success. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I learned a long time ago, it's, you know, it's not how much you make and it's really not how much you keep, it's how much you leave behind. And, um, and being able to impact others like someone did for me uh, mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know, you can be more. You're not just the sum of your neighborhood. You're not just a product of your environment. So being able to see that and wanting to go back and impact that. So that's fertile ground. Nice. Thank you so much for uh, just being honest on this call and, and being a positive example. Uh, we oftentimes have, you know, plenty of negative examples to learn from what not to do. Um, but here you are giving us all an example of what to do. And, you know, our, your famous quote that I refer to a lot, especially when <clears throat> I might be struggling, is it's impossible to stop a man 
or a woman who will not quit. And when it comes to healing, when it comes to being a parent, when it comes to being an entrepreneur, I know that you take your own quote dear to heart, which is why you are where you are today. So thank you so much, Mr. Humes, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. And Rise Up Family, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share this episode with your friends and uh, make sure you reach out to Michael Humes for your legal shield needs um, and any other thing that you want to learn about him. I'll make sure his social media is in this post as well. Thanks so much again, family. Talk to you soon.